Not sure why I use the timer. I never pay attention to it, so sorry. Makes me feel good, though. Hey, just curious, did y'all ever do anything really dumb when you were a kid? Like, like life-threatening? Dude, like, we used to climb trees 30, 40 feet up in a tree. We're nine years old. Like, who does that? How about fire? Did you play with fire? Oh, my goodness. Hairspray, fire, match. Anything else you want to share? Anybody want to share something really dumb they did as a kid? We were so dumb when we were kids. Um, we did a lot. Of, wow. We ate squirrel. We ate, we ate frogs. But the dumbest thing we did is we threw rocks at each other. I'm sorry. I mean, this kid got in UVA. We threw rocks at each other, y'all. We'd go to, like, construction sites, and we'd get the, the tops of garbage cans back when they were metal before the city did it all, you know. But we'd get these metal tops, these garbage cans, and that was our shield. And we'd find dirt clods and wail them at each other like a major league pitcher. And most of the time, fortunately, we weren't that great a shot, so we could use our, our, uh, our shield to block them. But every once in a while, you'd catch one in the head. And let me just tell you, if you've ever been hit in the head with a rock, you don't want to be hit again. It really, really hurts. So kids, don't try that at home. But the point was, we we're going to read a story today about Stephen, the first Christian martyr who was stoned to death. I don't know about you guys, but the first rock that hit me, I'd be like, I quit. You know, all these people in the town rush him with rocks and start pelting him until he's completely dead. And Stephen had such faith, he stood in there and he not only took it, but he actually forgave him. Only Christ could do that in a man's life. So I want you to see, um, if you have your Bible, turn to Acts 6 and 7. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, you can go in your Bible app if you have that. So my job today is really to introduce you to my friend from the Bible, Stephen. My friend, Stephen. And so if, I, if we were playing Jeopardy and I said, hey, what do you know about Stephen for 200? What do you know about Stephen? Let's go for 100. Let's make it easy. Stephen, what do you know about him? Old Testament or New Testament? Great, you just won 100 points. Uh, how about Stephen for 200? What else do you know about him? You tell me. You've read the book. What do you know about Stephen? Hmm. Do, 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 do. He was a deacon. He was one of the first seven men set aside so the apostles could devote themselves to the preaching of the word, uh, but also to prayer. And so they would look after the widows, and we'll get to that. That's right. Anything else about Stephen that you know? You know, you know what? There's not that much written about him in the Bible. There really isn't. In fact, he's only found in the book of Acts. He's mentioned 13 times, but a lot of times it's like um, multiple times in one phrase. So really, there's almost no mention of Stephen. There are just a couple things we know. And you guys said that the top thing you remember about Stephen, that he was the first Christian martyr, the first person that was bold enough to stand up for the gospel, even to death, uh, death by rock, not on the cross, but to death by rock. So I want you to learn more about Stephen. So in Acts 6, we see that he starts with, with humble beginnings. Like a lot of servants of God, God gives you an opportunity to serve in a humble position. And if you do well, as you serve as unto the Lord, the Lord says, here, now I want you to come up to a higher seat. Okay, so how does he start out? What is his job? As my mom would say, chief cook and bottle washer. Is that the one our moms used to say? I'm the something, something, chief cook and bottle washer. What was Stephen's job? He was full of the Holy Spirit, full of wisdom, of good repute, like all the other deacons. 
He's actually the first one named, which actually has priority in the Bible. When you see that name first, that means he's kind of like first amongst equals. The, the reason his name was listed first is he's the man. But he's the man of what? What was the deacon's job? The deacon's job was to wait on tables, to take care of the widows, and to make sure the widows had enough to eat. And the problem was um, that the early apostles uh, were Jewish, and a lot of the church was Jewish. And so when these Greek Christians started coming in, their mamas were getting ignored because there was a language barrier. And so the the apostles were so smart, instead of putting uh, Jewish Christian deacons, they made Greek Christian deacons deacons who would understand the language, who would understand the needs and the culture and everything of the Greek widows. So at first we see Stephen was chosen for what? What's his job? Chief cook and bottle washer. He humbly waited on tables. Maybe you're in a time now where uh, you'd like to be doing this for God or this in the church, but you've got a more humble position. Let me just tell you, never despise humble beginnings. Never, ever despise. Be faithful in what the Lord has placed you. And so we see that Stephen was serving. He was serving the widows, and he was of good repute, full of the Spirit, full of wisdom. But you know what? When the Holy Spirit falls inside and baptizes a man or woman, when the Holy Spirit gets a a hold of you, the Spirit blows where it wills, right? And so while this guy's job was to be a table waiter, he found as the Spirit of God came on him and in him, that he was given the grace and the ability to do other things. And I want you to look, look in Acts 6, verse 8. These are the other things. What else, was, what else was Stephen doing besides waiting on tables? It's kind of a big jump from waiting on tables. It says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. It doesn't say he was doing wonders or signs. It says he was doing great wonders and signs among the people. We know post-Jesus. Jesus said, I did these things. You're gonna, when I go to the Father, you're going to do even greater things than I did. And we all like, no way, that's impossible. But here we see the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that gave Jesus the ability to heal, is now moving through a table servant and giving him the ability to, to, take, uh, to give eyesight back to people born blind, to give legs to people who have never walked. Uh, to change the lives, bitter hearts. I mean, so many signs and wonders, supernatural manifestations of the Spirit where God moves in a way that no one, no one but a God-hater could deny it. Like when you see somebody that's never had sight that can see, somebody that's never walked, running and leaping and praising God, when you see somebody who's been eaten up with bitterness and all of a sudden they're filled, saturated with love, you know that's something man cannot produce that God did it. And we see God working through Stephen. So he's a table waiter. He's also a sign, he did, uh, signs and wonders guy. And so as he was working signs and wonders, it started to hack off the religious people because they're like, anytime they see the kingdom of God coming, they're threatened, right? They're threatened. And so they start to accuse, uh, they start to accuse Stephen. And they say, hey, we heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. What, what a lie. They just don't like the guy, so they're just going to try to cancel him, right? That's what they're doing. They're going to cancel him. They don't like him. They don't like what he's doing. They don't like seeing people healed, the Lord healing people through him. And, and yet they admitted in verse 10, it says, but they could not withstand the wisdom 
that the Holy Spirit gave Stephen. When he spoke, it wasn't just somebody yapping with powerful big words. It was somebody who had an anointing. It's almost as if God were speaking right to them uh, directly through Stephen. There was an anointing there. And the people could not debate it when they heard the wisdom coming out of his mouth. They knew that it was more than a man speaking. And yet they continued to come against Stephen. And they accused him of, of saying blasphemous words against Moses and God. Um, and they even got false witnesses. And how pathetic is that? I mean, if, you are, if your position is so weak that you've got to pay somebody to lie to prove your position, isn't that just pathetic? Like, that's pathetic. Because you know while you're in the midst of that that you're walking in a lie. And so these people, they didn't like what Stephen was doing. They didn't like what he was preaching. And so they brought accusation and false witnesses. And so at that point, Stephen does what? Pretty good for a table waiter. He actually goes and he moves again. And while Deacon's primary job is not preaching, it's not. Um, it's not their primary role. Their primary role is waiting on tables and taking care of widows. Yet we see the Spirit blows where it wills and God uses Stephen. Why? Because Stephen was available to be used. Stephen had a heart for God. And the Bible just keeps saying, a man full of the Spirit, full of the Spirit, full of the Spirit. And so Stephen... Uh, steps up, and he basically gives a history of Israel. If I were to give you a quiz today, a Bible quiz. Now, if Tim were here, he'd get an A, right? He didn't even study for his ordination exam. He's, he's freaky that way. He's just, you know, amazing. But for mere mortals like us, and we want to learn the Old Testament, maybe a friend says, hey, could you tell me a summary of the Old Testament, like in five minutes? There was a God. He made the universe. Like, you'd have a hard time, wouldn't you? You'd have a hard time piecing it and saying it in a condensed way. Let me just tell you that Stephen's speech, some call it a sermon, but Stephen's speech in Acts 7, on two pages, really, it's here in my Bible, actually it's three. Acts 7, all the way down to uh, verse 53, that is a history, that is a synopsis of what happened in the Old Testament with God's people, the Jews, and God. You want to know the history of Israel? You want to know how God dealt with his people? From Abraham forward, Stephen lays it out. And the accusation against Stephen, uh, one that he was a blasphemer and, and giving, um, he was blaspheming both Moses and God. He was speaking against the holy place, the temple. He was also speaking against the law. Those were the charges. And so Stephen lays out the history of Israel and what he says to them in the middle. I mean, it's kind of a poke in the eye if you want to know the truth. Stephen basically says, um, you guys say that you're accusing me of not loving Moses or not following Moses, but you yourselves rejected Moses. Even from the time in Egypt, you rejected him. You've rejected him, rejected him, rejected him. You not only reject Moses, but you reject all the prophets God sent. And so Stephen basically pokes him in the eye, calls him out. He says, you want to talk about Moses? Let's talk about Moses. I know Moses. I follow Moses. You guys rejected him. And then he goes and talks about the holy place. So the Jews are trying to say, you're preaching against the temple. And no, he wasn't. But what he was saying is, in the kingdom of God, God does not live in a building made by hands. You should come to this building on a Monday or Tuesday morning sometime. Just sneak in in the middle of the week. Sneak in. Now, pre-COVID, we usually have Bible studies or something. But right now, you come here, nobody's here. It's a building. And trust me, God doesn't live in here. I've never seen him living in this space. He lives in people. The temple of God is the people of God. 
And so Stephen was trying to teach them that God, just what God said in his word, he does not live in a, in a, in a building made by human hands, but he's going to do something even greater. He wants you, you people, to be his temple. And so Stephen is laying out the history of Israel. He's talking about Moses. He's talking about the law. And basically, he basically says, you people are so hard-hearted. You are so stiff-necked. In fact, let's read what he actually says. Friends, if you're going to end a sermon, trust me, if you want to end a sermon, you always want to end on a positive note, get something people take home with them. Let's see how Stephen does. This kind of ending to a sermon will not get you invited to lunch at the country club. Listen, he says this, he says, you stiff-necked people, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Not sometimes, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute and kill those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you now betrayed and murdered? You have received the law as delivered by angels, but you didn't keep it. And so do you see what Stephen's doing? Not only is he telling the history of Israel, but he's taking on their charges. Uh, and he's showing them, you say, I don't follow Moses. You yourselves don't even follow Moses. You rejected him from the beginning. You talk about me not um, loving God's word. You don't even know God's word. Because if you knew God's word, you would know that it all points to the Messiah, the promised one who would come forever, forever. His Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me? And so Stephen punched him in the eye. He said hard things to them. And how did they take it? Because we got to end this. How did, how did they take the, the correction at the hand of a, a table waiter? Oh, thank you, Stephen. Thanks for setting us straight. What did they say to him? It says they became enraged and they ground their teeth and then they began to rush at him. In verse 54, it says, when they heard these things, they were enraged. They ground their teeth. But in verse 55, it says, but Stephen, full of God's Holy Spirit, actually gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Friends, the teaching point for me is, if you're going through a hard time, stop looking down at yourself. You know what that is? When you say, I'm terrible, I'm a bad person, or you're still focused on yourself. What did Stephen do in his time of duress? The greatest pain. I mean, they're, they're pelting him with rocks. They're killing him. He actually took his eyes off himself, and he put his eyes up to heaven. He looked at the Lord that he knew. He was all in. He was fully committed. He looked up to heaven, basically saying, Lord, this is about you. It's not about me. It's about your kingdom, not about mine. And into your hands I commit my spirit, much like Jesus. He is surrendering his life to the Lord. And it says, as, as the people... It, they were beginning to throw stones. They rushed at him. They stoned him. And they, the witnesses laid down their garments at, at the feet of a young man whose name was Saul. So as, as, as Stephen is being obedient, as he's looking to Christ, he asked the Lord, he says, Lord, I ask that you forgive them. Are you kidding me? You hit me with a rock. I'm not going to ask the Lord to forgive you. He's doing exactly what Jesus does. And it's not because Stephen is some super uh, natural Christian, some, you know, unattainable Christian. No, it's the Spirit of God is in him. And so the Spirit of God is doing in him what it actually did in Jesus. The Spirit of God is giving him the ability to for forgive those who are killing him. 
And they lay the garments at the foot of a young man named Saul. Even in his death, Stephen was spreading the seeds of the gospel. Because in this long, Saul would get converted. And he would look up in the sky and say, Who are you, Lord? The God that he thought he was serving, he didn't even know. He said, Who are you, Lord? Friends, I want to encourage you by Stephen's life. Sometimes God will put you in a humble situation. Be faithful in that situation. Be faithful in that situation. But as the Spirit gives you gifts and graces, walk in them like Stephen did. He did signs and wonders amongst the people, not so they'd look at him, but so they'd look at the Lord and give thanks. And when the promised time of persecution came, Jesus was faithful. He said, don't worry about what you're going to say when you're handed over. Don't worry about it because I will give you the very words to say. And we see in the scripture that Jesus was faithful to what he promised. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your servant, Stephen. What an awesome man of God he is, full of faith, full of uh, favor, full of love, full of wisdom, full of boldness. Father, I pray that you will do in us what you did in Stephen. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.